This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up and our ushers would get the Word of God in your hand. I, I highly recommend you look at your Bible, and then once you get a Bible, go with me to Revelations 19. Way back in the New Testament, far back as you can go, Revelations 19. Now, we're still on our series, You Saw the Fear of the Lord, but it's, it's hard to love God if I don't fear God. And it's hard to fear God if I don't love God. And so there's this balance between the two. But in Psalms 25, it says, The secret of the Lord, or the secret with the Lord, is those who fear Him. Those who fear Him. So... We're going to begin to navigate through this here this morning a little bit. I I believe the Word of God will begin to move in you. You know, in Acts 2, when Peter began to speak the Word of God, it began to cut him to heart. Sometimes that takes place. And that's that's not us as human beings that have that ability. That's the Holy Spirit that he begins to move within us. So we begin in Revelations 19, verse number 1. After these things, I heard a loud voice... Of a great multitude in heaven. Now, when you look at this, he's he's talking about when this place called earth will end. And he said, In heaven there's gonna be a loud shout. If you don't like it loud, you're probably not gonna like it in heaven. It's gonna be loud. And he said, A great multitude. A lot of folk are gonna be in heaven. But I want you to think about this in, a, in scope of from the time that Adam was born until the end. There's a lot of people that have gone through this planet called Earth. A lot of folk. But if you'll notice, it says a great multitude. It didn't say everyone. Not everyone's going to make it, okay? But in heaven, this is what it's going to look like. A great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia. Now, that word Alleluia, this is the only time in the New Testament that this is used. And it's used here in Revelations 19. That word Alleluia means praise the Lord. So in heaven, with a great shout, with a loud voice, they're saying, Alleluia, Alleluia. Well, if you don't like to praise the Lord, I don't know that you're going to like heaven. And so right here on earth, something happens when we just say, man, we're, we're going to be kingdom men and women right here on earth. So he said, a great multitude will be singing hallelujah or saying that. Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. Only to the Lord our God. Who does salvation come from? Only the Lord our God. Verse 5. Then a voice came from heaven, the throne saying, Praise our God, all you servants, all you his servants, the person who who willingly offers his obedience, his devotion, and his loyalty. So people that get to heaven are people that are servants of God, that they give their their devotion to him, their loyalty to him. But he doesn't end there. Look how he ends in verse 5, and he says, And those who fear him, both small and great. Those who fear the Lord. Those who live with the reverential fear of God. They stood in awe of him. They weren't ashamed of him. 
They were honored to call him Lord. This is who will be in heaven. Now, turn right there to the right to Revelation 21. And we look at the very last verse of Revelation 21, verse 27. And it says, but there shall be by no means enter it. And so when you see what he's talking about, nothing impure will enter heaven. Anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. No evil will enter. So again, who, who's going to enter? The ones that become registered. They become recorded. They become citizens of heaven. And this only takes place one way. When you study the Bible, Ephesians 2.8 says we're saved by grace through faith. It's the gift of God. So if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, it's not because you were this great human being. It's not because you were perfect. It's because you received the gift that Father God gave us, named the Lord Jesus. So when you look here, it's interesting. He said that God would have a book called the Lamb's Book of Life. So off of that, I begin to look at the scripture, and I, I don't know, I have a sense the more I read this, that God has quite a few books. And so when you think about a book, the things that are in the book, they had to be written in that book for it to become a book. And so it began to get my attention of, so what's in God's books? Well, we know the first one here this morning is those that are born again become registered citizens of the kingdom of heaven. But he has some other books. And many of these books that we're going to talk about this morning, they pertain to the fear of God. So we're in the last book of the New Testament. Now I want you to go to the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. And in the book of Malachi, you're going to Malachi chapter 3. The, the book of Malachi... Remember, this was written by a prophet named Malachi who he wrote to the Israelites, the children of God. And at this time in their life, they, they had fallen away from God. Their, their worship wasn't heartfelt, and their adoration became a burden. They just quit living for God. And so God takes notice. And he sends this prophet named Malachi to warn them to wake up because they were living in a, in a state of apathy, of complacency. And you know what I find out? It can be very easy to get into that where we just, we just go through the motions. We just kind of play church. And so this is to stir us up in here to look and say, could this be me? Malachi 3, verse 5. And I, Father God, will come near you for judgment. The message says, on my way to visit you, I'm going to put you on trial. I will be a swift witness. God says, I will have compelling evidence. 
against tooth, against sorcerers, anything that has to do with witchcraft. Don't think witchcraft is just something that's okay. It's not. It's the very opposite of the things of God. And I can tell you right now, witchcraft is still alive in America, still alive right here in this city, okay? Don't play around with witchcraft. And this is one of the first things he said, I will judge the sorcerers and against the adulterers, which could be physical adultery or spiritual adultery. And the spiritual side of adultery, he says in James 4, 4, adulterers and adulteresses, friendship with the world is enmity or an enemy with God. Now, it's interesting here. He says against adulterers. Listen real close. This was written to God's chosen. It shows me that they had gotten off track. Keep reading. Against perjurers, bunch of liars. Against those who exploit wage earners and widows and orphans. They go after people to take advantage of people. That's what this is talking about. And understand, God takes notice. He says, I'll have compelling evidence. Keep reading. And against those who turn away alien or foreigners. Now, I want you to note the reason. Look at the last bit here. Because they do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. They quit fearing God. They quit reverencing God. They quit standing in awe of God. And it's almost like we get to this place in our lives and we kind of think God winks at what we do. He doesn't. And so right here, the prophet Malachi, he's raising the bar to say, come on, come on. And you know what? I'm not, I'm not preaching that God's desires were going to be perfect. But when I get over into sin in any of these areas, I, I must come to a place where I repent. And I tell Father God, I, I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live lukewarm. I don't want to live complacent or apathetic. I want to live sold out. And so just right here off this, you can sense the Lord saying, come on, rekindle a fear for me. Welcome the fear of the Lord back in me. Same chapter, verse number 13. Your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Your words have been strong against me. Rude. You've wearied the Lord with your words. You've said terrible things about the Lord. Have you? Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? When, when did we ever do that? Well, what do you mean our words have been strong against you? You have said it is useless to serve God. It is vain. It is futile to serve God. It doesn't pay to serve God. 
And I think this is becoming more and more real in our society right now because we get further and further and further away from God. And to me, when I read this, this becomes a wake-up call. What profit is that we have kept your ordinances? What have we gained by obeying your commandments? And that we have walked as mourners. Literally stated there, they're not sorry for their sins. There is no shame for their sins. What difference does it make before the Lord of hosts? Verse 15. So now we call the proud, we call the arrogant blessed. We call the ones that are prideful Happy, fortunate, and to be envied. For those who do wickedness are raised up. They are exalted. They are applauded. Who? Those who do wickedness. They even tempt God and they go free. They tempt God. They try God. They challenge God. But yet they get away with it. It's like they push God to the limit and nothing happens. That's our society right now. Now again, I want to highlight that when Malachi began to speak this, he was speaking this to God's chosen. This was children of God. Keep reading here, verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord... Those who feared the Lord. There were some that still feared the Lord. I don't believe it was that many of them. But then those who actually reverenced God, actually who weren't ashamed of God, who said, you know what, Father God, we'll stand before you and we'll live with a reverential fear. Those who feared the Lord, they spoke to one another. They exhorted one another. They encouraged one another. And I think, you know what they said? Come on, stay with it. Come on, stay with it. Let's run the race with endurance. Let's fight the good fight of faith. That's why it's so important for us to be here together to have community. And we encourage one another. Stay with it. Stay with it. And so they exhorted one another. And the Lord listened. And the Lord heard them. He listened and heard who? The God-fearers. Now watch this. So a book of remembrance was written before him. A book of remembrance was written before him. Something was written in this book that had to do with people that feared God. God paid close attention to them there's something that happens with the fear of God that God says that that's my boy that's my girl in other words when everybody else is living like the devil and you choose to live for God God takes notice he still takes notice so a book of remembrance was written before him listen listen for those 
who fear the Lord. A book was remitten for those who feared the Lord. And meditate or esteem on his name. They give him glory. They're not ashamed of the God. They're not ashamed to be called a Christian. They're people that live day by day in a dark world, but they live for God. Now, when I read that, is there any possibility or any chance that your name would be recorded in there? See, I begin to see this again and again. Something happens when I fear God. Something takes place. He goes on to say in verse 17, They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. Who? The God fears will be mine. God says, that one's mine. Again, when you look at that, God doesn't say any, many, mighty, mo. No, God knows who the God fears are and who the ones that aren't. They'll be mine says the Lord of hosts. On that day, when judgment comes, when God acts, he says, I will make them my jewels. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed that you're a jewel in God's eyes when you live with the fear of God, but to see that as a jewel, that means you're a special treasure to God. When you have expensive jewels in your life, what do you do? You take care of them. This is what God says right here. You've become my jewels. And I will spare them. Oh, thank God he'll spare us. As a man spares his own son who serves him or obeys him. So God right here is looking for people that will fear him and obey him and serve him. Do you know serving God is a big deal? This is the second time we've seen this. And, and serving God, it's not just coming to church on Sunday to say, whoo, I did my duty this week, I'm done. No, I serve God day by day by day by day. He goes on to say, then you shall again discern or you'll see the difference between the righteous and the wicked. You'll see the difference between ones who do what's right in God's eyes and one who do what's wicked in God's eyes. Between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve God. And so as I began to look at these things, I thought, this was written to God's chosen. Do any of these things in this passage, they, they define or describe me? I want you to go with me to the book of Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. And I'm going to give us a New Testament reference here on what God gravitates toward, who God gravitates toward. And I believe this passage of Scripture will become very, very evident. But within this passage of Scripture... It'll have the ability to make me look in my heart and say, this is me or this isn't me. Acts 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. He was a non-commissioned Roman officer. 
Now, when you study this guy here, he represented Rome, but his home was on the, the Mediterranean sea coast of a town called Caesarea. And so what happens here is he lives among the Israelites, the Jews, long enough where he realizes the God of the Hebrews is the real God. This is who I'm, I'm wanting to serve. I'm wanting to serve God. Verse 2, a devout man, a man of extraordinary character. You know what extraordinary character is? Honesty and integrity before God and before people. So when you see he was a devout man, he still needed to hear the way of salvation, okay? He knows God, but he doesn't know the Lord Jesus yet. So he's a devout man. Now, he's a thoroughly good man. Now, watch how the scripture goes on to define a devout man. One who feared God. The very first thing it said is a man who fears God. But if you'll keep reading that, he said, a man who feared God with all his household. So you know what this tells me? This guy named Cornelius, he said, I'm going to model the fear of God in my home. I want my children to know, as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. We're going to praise God. We're going to worship God. And so something begins to happen here that this guy understands the fear of God. So we see here he fears God with all his household, who gave alms generously. He was a great giver to the people, and he prayed to God always. So when you look at this, he sought God, he feared God, he was a giver, and he was a man of prayer. So I read those, and I think, how many of those four describe me? How many of those four describe you? Well, obviously, Pastor, one and three are, no, we're not doing that. See, again, the scripture has the ability to locate me. So this takes place. This is how he's known. Verse 3. About the ninth hour, which is 3 o'clock in the afternoon of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Do you know that God still shows up in visions and dreams? Where's that at? Just read Acts 2 verse 17. He still shows up, Okay. So Cornelius, about 3 o'clock, he stops his day for a snack, and he's sitting there, and all of a sudden the angel of the Lord shows up. Verse 4, and when he observed him, he was afraid. He became startled, and he said, what is it, Lord? So the angel said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. When I see this statement here as a memorial before God, I wonder if that's another book. Somehow what he did 
with the fear of God pertaining to his giving and his prayer life, it got the attention of heaven. God's recording some thanks. Keep reading, verse 5. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. This is Peter, the apostle Peter. This is the same Peter who rebuked Jesus, the same Peter that denied Jesus. But this is the same Peter who got filled with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit started moving, I'm telling you, Peter was one of the greatest transformations of any person in the Bible. So this angel of the Lord says to Cornelius, send for Pete, okay? You got to get Pete. Verse 6, he's lodging with Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. Peter will tell you what you must do. Peter's going to give you the instructions of what it looks like to obey God's commandments, but also what it means to be saved. He's going to show you biblically how salvation begins to operate. So now I've got to paraphrase a little bit for time's sake. So the next day at noon, high noon, Peter goes up onto the roof to pray, and he has a vision. And this angel appears to him. And in the vision, he begins to show Peter some things. And so we pick up right now, and we'll fill in the blank of what those things are in verse 19. While Peter thought about the vision, he was puzzled about the vision. You know, you know why he was puzzled? Because in that vision, he was shown that every human being, and I want to highlight every human being, is of special worth, value, and dignity to God. Every human being, not just the Jews, every human being. And so God's desire is for every one of us to become jewels of his. So he's perplexed about this vision. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down, go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Do you know, our God goes to extremes when people begin to pursue God. When you have a desire to seek God, do you know in James 4, verse 8, it says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And so we know Cornelius has got this great desire to know God in a more in-depth way. Does, does that describe me? Do I, I want to know everything I can about God? Do I want to grow with God? Do I want to go a little deeper with God? I do. Then Peter went down to the men who had, sent, who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reasons have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man and one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nations of the Jews was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Now, I want you to think just what took place here in this verse. These men that Cornelius sent, 
These men that were around Cornelius day by day by day, you know what they said? He's a just man. He fears God. He's got a good reputation. Now, I want you to think about something right here. The people you're around day by day by day by day, but would they say that about you? Or they look and say, I didn't even know you were a Christian. When'd you get saved? What happened with you? See, I, I read these things and I realize this guy named Cornelius, he was the real deal. I mean, this guy, he was a just man. He knew the righteousness of God in Christ. He was a man who feared God, and he was a good reputation. So you know what he said? That means when you fear God in those areas and you got a reputation, a good reputation, you feared God enough where it said, it bothers me that I'm not a person of integrity. I'm not a person of character. I'm not a person of honesty. But these people noticed it. These guys, they said, Verse 23, then he invited them in and lodged with them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Now I'm going to stop right there, just for a second. Peter shows up. Cornelius has got a, is such a strong expectation. Did you read who's with him? He got all his family, his relatives, and his best friends. And he's like, you guys got to come hear this. You got you to come here. You got to get to the house today. You gotta, I'm telling you, he's so lit up about the things that you got to get here today. You gotta get, let me ask you, do you have any of those expectations? I got to get to church. I got to get around the things of God. I got to get around the word today. And so Peter goes strolling into his house and Cornelius sees him and bows to him and, and Peter gets up and says, hey, dude, get back up. I'm also a man. I'm just a man. But I'm a man filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm a man full of God. So Cornelius begins to explain to him what's going on. Verse 33. And he says, so I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. So what he just said, tell us the truth, Peter. Yeah. Come on, come on, tell us the truth. I, I want to hear the word of God. I, I want to hear the truth of the word of God. Now, remember, this is the same Peter in Acts 2 toward the end, roughly around verse 42, who said... When he preached the word, it cut him to heart. It stabbed him to heart where they looked and said, oh my gosh. And remember what they said, what do we do? And he said, repent, receive Jesus, and get filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So Peter strolls into all these Gentiles. He's got their full attention. Verse 34, look at the very first thing Pete says. He opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. God doesn't play favorites. 
God's not biased in one area or the other. And so when you look at that word partiality, we were there a week ago, 1 Peter 1, verse 1, verses 15 through 17. Verse 17 highlighted the partiality. And so when Peter says this, you must understand in the first century, there was a huge conflict between the Jews and the Gentiles. Remember the Jews, they didn't do life with the Gentiles. There was a huge barrier, and that barrier caused division. And I love what Peter says here, that God doesn't show any partiality today because we have huge barriers. You know what our barriers are? Culture, race, economic and educational levels. But in God's eyes, there's no difference. It's not who you are, and it's not where you're from. It whose are you? Well, whose are you? I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. We're all child of God. And I believe the devil, he uses this partiality to keep this barrier, to keep us divided. Because he knows in a place of division, God can't move. But in a place of unity... You know, in, in Ephesians 4, when the Lord has all these different groups that are called by the ministry, he said, until you all come into the unity of faith. You know what the unity of faith is? We're brothers and sisters. Can I help you with that a little bit? The black sheep, the white sheep, the swirl sheep. Okay? God shows no partiality. And we live in a society that is in huge need of this right now. So if God's my brother, oh, if God's my father and you're my brother, why can't we bother to really reach out and love one another? See, it's like right here, Peter got a revelation. God shows no partiality. So if I'm to be an imitator of God, I better not show partiality. So he says this and then verse 35. Now watch what God's looking for. Pay close attention. But in every nation. Do you know in heaven it'll be every nation. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. But in every nation, whoever. Who, say whoever. Whoever fears him. Whoever fears him who lives with the reverence for God and works righteousness is accepted by him. Do you know, every bit of what I just read is what we've read with Ecclesiastes 12, 13 with Solomon. Remember, when he got to the end of his life, he said, now here's the conclusion. Fear God and obey his commandments. Here it is again. Verse 36, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. What was the angel of the Lord telling Cornelius that I'm going to send Peter for to tell you what you need to hear? You know what he just told him? There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way that your name is registered in heaven. Only one. And he said, through Jesus Christ, 
And note what he said. He's Lord of all. He's Lord of all of us. Verse 43. To him all the prophets witnessed that through his name, the name of Jesus, whoever believes in him will receive remission for sins. Whoever believes in him. Do you know our God's still in the saving business? So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about everything that's taking place here in Acts 10. And I wonder how many of Cornelius' relatives and his friends' names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life right now because this one guy said, I'll live with the fear of God. See, don't play, or don't now play the fear of God in your life. God, God just looks for the one. Just, just one that'll stand up and say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to live with the fear of God. And because this one guy feared God so much that heaven was multiplied in advance right here on earth. And I believe God still does it, but he's just looking for men and women that say, I'm going to fear God. I welcome you to, to grace me, Father God, that I, I live with the reverence. I live with an awe of you. I'm, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed to bow down before you. I'm not uh, uh, embarrassed to call you Lord. I'm not embarrassed to pray over my food in a restaurant. Even when everybody else, I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to raise my hands in here and worship. And so God is still looking for men and women right now that say, Lord, I'm going to list, and I ask you to baptize me today with the fear of the Lord. Now stand up here with me. I'll ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. And I know God begins to work. Said Mark 16 that his desire is to confirm his word with signs following. The Lord's desire is that none perish. That's his desire. But there's only one way that your name can be registered in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that is for you to publicly receive Jesus as Lord of your life. The Lord said to Nicodemus in John 3, he said, you got to be born again. You got to let Jesus come into your heart. How does that happen? You believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So if you're here today, and if you're not 100% sure this, this is one of those areas that you don't want to be 1% wrong, okay? But if you're here today and, and you're not 100% sure that your name is recorded and registered in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you say, I, I don't want to leave here today without knowing that, I, I welcome you right now to come forward and say, that's me. I, I need to receive Jesus. Anybody that way? Just make your way down here. Just make your way down here. This is better than the price of right. Actually, price of right. Just actually run, okay? Run.
God, God loves you. See, our God, He's still taking you. Come on. Our God still takes messes and makes miracles. And I remember about 40 years ago when I did this, I walked forward. I, I never had the dream or the thought, man, my adventures in life are going to be a lot better than Peter Pan's, a lot better. I never had the dream or thought that day that this is what I do for a living. I have people say to me this day, it shocks me what you do for a living. And I say, it kind of shocks me too. That's the goodness of God. I'm going to ask if our prayer team is here to come down here. We're just going to have somebody be with you here. just want to lay their hands on you and touch you, Evan. You know what's going on? This is God, guys. This is God. And so today, right here on October the 23rd, God's going to take his pen. I don't know how he does it. Your name is going to be recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. So I want all of us just to say this. You guys down here say this from your heart. You watching on live stream, this may be you say this. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you as a mess. I've made a mess of life. I've made a mess of me. And I take full responsibility for my messes. I ask you to forgive me today of all my sin. I ask you to forgive me. Cleanse me. And Lord Jesus, ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life I receive you Jesus as Lord thank you today that my name is registered in the Lamb's book of life Woo, in Jesus name come on let's clap God's done though, okay? You know, it's very easy for us to get off track. And sometimes we think God, God's okay with just a little disobedience. He's okay with just a little rebellion. But it has that snowball effect. And just that little bit before long, man, it starts getting out of control. God's not okay with your sin or my sin. And so I want you to think about something. Have you dabbed in witchcraft? Have you been an adulterer spiritually, physically? Lie, taking advantage of people. See, all God wants is our heart back. Where we said, Father God, I blew it in that area again. But we go further in Malachi 3. Listen. 
Have your words been harsh against God? Pero. Have we mocked God? Have we said it's useless to serve Him? Have we said more that the ungodly, they cheat God, they do this and and they get away with it? But remember God said, the fears of God, I listened and I heard them and I began to record in this book. And so again, I don't know about you, I, I want to be a man that fears God. I don't care what the world's doing. I want to live with the reverential fear of God. And so if any of those things I've lift, li- listed, if they describe you right now, and I welcome you to come down here to say, I'm not leaving today, kid, till I get my heart right. And Lord, I, I ask you today, grace me and baptize me with a reverential fear of God unlike any other time. I'm not going to force you down here, and I'm not going to beg you to come down here. But something happens when we respond to God here. So as our team plays, and I welcome you right now. Come on, let's respond to him. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.